Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Unboxed, powered by Pubmatic. My name is Rizwana Manjur and this week we'll be discussing the topic of header bidding. Before we start, go ahead, do a quick search on header bidding on your browser. Chances are you're going to be finding a lot of results that are years old. Header bidding came around when previous techniques used to sell ad impressions wasn't proving to be as efficient. Before header bidding came around, publishers would often offer their inventory to buyers sequentially. So, a publisher would first approach a network or a partner with a certain number of impressions, after which the leftover inventory was offered to the next player, and so on and so forth. This was commonly known as a waterfall structure because the supply cascaded down from the top like a waterfall. In contrast to that, header bidding opens up the inventory and impressions to the highest bidder to serve their creative ad on a platform, enabling publishers to sell their inventory at the highest market value in real time. But of course, the space isn't without its own challenges. In this episode, we speak to Ashish Thomas, CEO of Summit Media, and Kin Mu Yarso, Associate Director, Customer Success at Pubmatic, on some of these issues and, of course, the benefits when it comes to header bidding. Hi, Ashish, and hi, So. Thanks for joining us for today's topic uh, on header bidding. Before we start, could you guys give our audience a glimpse as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm I'm the chief executive of uh, a media company in the Philippines called Summit Media, which runs um, 12 brands, uh, including brands like Cosmopolitan, Esquire, uh, Top Gear, uh, Smart Parenting, and so on. And we have uh, about 12 to 13 brands. We also have an outdoor business, which is uh, fairly digital. Uh, and uh, these brands currently have about one third of the population of the country on it. So uh, collectively, these 12 brands has about 30, 35 million users uh, on it. And Ashish, how long have you been CEO of Summit Media? Uh, it's been close to 15 months. Uh, before that, you know, I've always uh, mostly been in Singapore, uh, was part with uh, regional roles in Microsoft and Google, uh, Singtel, out and out digital all my life. Oh, it must be a very interesting time for you to join Summit Media, huh? How has it been? Yes, it is. Uh, it's been a journey. Uh, the first six months was a lot of learning and uh, looking at uh, what are the current practices in the company. And the next six months or the next eight months has been grappling with the pandemic. Yeah, I can only imagine. I suppose So has been right by your side during this journey. So tell us a little bit about you. Sure, absolutely. I am leading customer success team at Pomatic uh, for SEA region in particular. And I've been with Pomatic for about uh, four years. And uh, we are the supplied, um, supply side technology platform, which is helping publishers to you know, uh, monetize their inventory programmatically. Now, today we're going to talk about header bidding, which is very commonly discussed on the publishing side, but maybe not part of the daily conversations on the brand side. So could you break down header bidding for us? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, It is an advanced programmatic technique that offers publisher an effective way to manage the monetization partner they work with. 
Um, essentially, it's flattened the traditional waterfall setup, which works in sequential manner, where demand partners are placed in descending uh, priorities order in publisher ad server. So in this setup, when there is an uh, opportunity to serve an ad, the demand partner at the highest priority will be given the opportunity. If not, uh, only if they do not have the demand, then it will pass down to the next partner and so on and so forth. In header bidding, um, everything works in parallel instead of sequential. It's allowed publisher to concurrently offer the ad space to all the demand partner at once, meaning all the demand sources have to compete in one unified auction and that the highest bidder will win. So yeah, how if you ask me how exactly it will work, it's, it's typically a piece of code sitting in the header of the publisher page that will cause all the demand partner to bid as soon as the page is begin to load within the user browser. This is why it's called header bidding. And it will collect all the bids and then send the highest winning bid uh, to the ad server to allocate the inventory. Okay, let me wrap my head around this as well. In the past, publishers managed their programmatic yield by a waterfall structure where publishers offered impressions in one sales channel. Um, and if buyers don't bite, then they push them down to other less valuable channels. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so what were some of the issues with this format? Well, since it works in sequential manner, right? So um, potentially there might be like a higher bid. However, they could be ignored, especially if it is coming from the demand source, which is sitting further down the waterfall, right? So in a sense, not all the demand partner may not have the uh, a fair chance to get the inventory, even if they are willing to pay more at that point. So, and another thing is like waterfall operates on historical pricing data which means it does not necessarily reflect the real-time pricing that advertisers are willing to pay for, uh, which also means the ad operation team um, will need to optimize the pricing manually to reflect the demand seasonality, right? And the last one that I will call out uh, will be the passback and the latency issue that come with that. Mm. So every time is moving down the waterfall change, there will be a passback process that will create, uh, that could cause a discrepancy and it will also cause the latency, uh, potentially slow down the page load time and you know, it, could, um, uh, it could be impacting the user experience. Compared to waterfall structure, what is the biggest benefit to publishers with header bidding? Uh, I would say best of all benefit will be uh, that, you know, header bidding increase the competition among all the demand partners. It is an auction base. Therefore, if the advertiser really want that particular inventory, they have to outbid all other partner. So it dries up the CPM pricing and therefore, you know, revenue growth. And it also opened doors for publisher to work with more demand partners um, and, um, the other, the other benefit would be like, you know, it's all real time, not based on the historical pricing. It's a, a true reflection of what demand sources are willing to pay. Mm. And um, it's also, that also means, you know, less man manual optimization for the operation team and uh, promote the operation and efficiency. Last but not least, uh, the status does not require any passback at all. So it's entirely removed the passback in its efficiency. How can a publisher decide if header bidding is right for them? Ashish, I know you guys embrace this technology. So how did you decide header bidding was right for you? 
So hereditary has been around for a while. Uh, it's not new. And, uh, you know, it's just the principles that go into hereditary which are so appealing. It's, a, it's quite succinctly, it's, it's a unified auction. Mm. So instead of going through a waterfall model, like so mentioned, you know, it's a unified auction and the best bidder gets, wins the bid. And, uh, you know, ye- everything from, you know, revenue getting increased to yield management to, you know, just, just being more transparent uh, points in that direction, which is why we, we invested early as an organization in head of bidding and it's showing results for us. And so can you share with us some of the options available for publishers if they want to go down this route? Yeah, absolutely. I will uh, put them into like uh, three uh, category. So the first option could be like um, open source solution. So publisher can opt in to use the open source code, for example, like Prebit, and they can build their own solution with, uh, on the top. However, this option uh, will require you know, a substantial amount of technical resources and um, yeah, that, uh, that could require the ongoing maintenance as well. So it is uh, a fully um, you know, open source solution. However, uh, it's also come with a bit of effort and technical knowledge to adopt that. And the second option will be uh, propriety solutions for, for example, like Google Bidding or Amazon Tem and et cetera. So these options usually does not require much of the work on the publisher side. However, it is uh, it's a closed system typically. So there is not much uh, transparency for the publisher to get you know, a lot of information out of that. And the third option is we call it hybrid solution. So ideally, you know, um, that is the enterprise uh, wrapper. However, it's all building on the top of open source code like Prebit and um, the additional enterprise uh, layer features kind of like uh, give the, um, you know, uh, give the, um, what do you call it, make the publisher life easier for the setup. So for instance, like we, uh, Pomatic also embrace this hybrid model. So we develop the um, enterprise wrapper uh, based on the prebit. So it is fully transparent. Um, and, um, you know, if anybody can look into the real-time view into the bit activities, latency metrics, and it is fully transparent. And, um, you know, anybody can look into the source code as well if they need to. And uh, we uh, develop initial layers, for example, like a UI, um, and automation tools that we um, that help to do a lot of like heavy lifting uh, from our end, mm. and um, so therefore you know it's most most of the time it is just one time setup and all the subsequent changes can be made through the easy to use UI. So that's probably why uh, we are seeing um, a lot of uh, adaptation for this option in the market as well. Mm. And um, the the other bits come together with will be like you know analytics reporting. Um, it will be as easy, uh, you know, as um, um, what do you call it, comprehensive data like performance, auction data, all the way to like bid density data. If anybody's want to be like, you know, dig into uh, this level of nitty gritty. So, and yeah, the last one is like customer su- uh, uh, support that's come with that too. So for example, uh, for our uh, Pomatic, we have dedicated regional team to support the publisher with all the required setup and uh, training 
um, to help the, you know, uh, at operation team to adopt the technology. You ended on a great point there on technology, so um, which was uh, what I was about to talk about next. Uh, as you highlighted, there are plenty of advantages to header bidding, but technology is never without its challenges. To someone who doesn't understand this, um, it's a complicated topic to digest, uh, set up and implement. So how should um, publishers decide that they need to take the plunge um, and why should they do it? Ashish, I know you've seen great revenue benefits, but what other advice would you share with your fellow publishers uh, when it comes to header bidding? See, any new technology has new lines of code, if I could call it that. But uh, the the whole digital space is rife with you know new technology coming in every day. So... Uh, you know, to to participate and succeed in the digital ecosystem, you know, you, this this is part of the job, right? You know, and header biddings technology is new, but it's not scary. In fact, it took our team just about two or three days of uh, getting all the technical integration done and be ready with it. So it's it's not that hard as people think it is, and uh, you know, there 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 are workarounds it. I think it's also a mindset issue, isn't it, Ashish? You run a huge team of over 300 people and you guys uh, have clearly evolved with time and adopted new technology in the ad tech space. And given your background in digital, I'm sure it came in handy in trying to evolve mindsets of your people as well. How else did you motivate your staff to embrace new technology? Well, see, one of the things we we follow is, you know, if you're not doing something new today then you're not doing your job well and it's literally it's a cadence it's a it's become muscle memory in my organization where all my leaders in different teams are geared towards attempting something new every day and you know this is part of that dna that every digitally progressive organization needs to have and uh, which is also one of the reasons why you know we we invested early in our dmp uh, you know we are already 60% prepared for a cookie-less world. We employed partners like um, Pubmatic and, you know, we work closely with our digital partners uh, and whether it's header bidding, whether it's, um, you know, programmatic advertising, whether it's uh, sharing of data. So these are just very much part and parcel of the organization and which is why also I think, uh, you know, we're kind of surviving this pandemic well. Has header bidding really taken off here in Asia? Uh, it, it has to. The question is, uh, you know, who will be the early adopters? And I think, I think from a publisher's standpoint, mostly publishers have adopted it. It's the brands and the ad agencies which, you know, either find it hard to uh, understand it or, you know, resist it for other reasons. So I think... A, it's not that hard to figure out. It's a very logical, unified auction mechanism. It's easier. It's faster. It gives better yield. It is uh, something that uh, you know derives better benefit for advertisers and brands because they get a lot more data. Uh, you know, they get a lot more predictability around their business, uh, around their buying. So uh, you know, I think it definitely has a great, great future. And the pandemic's uh, causing uh, brands and publishers and uh, ad agencies to accelerate. Do you think brand side marketers have educated themselves enough in the header bidding space to adopt this new tech? I wish I could say yes. 
uh, and I think partly also, uh, you know, the onus of doing that sits with us. And uh, you know, there is there is a there's a fair degree of education with any new technology that uh, walks into the market. And uh, you know that there there's some people who need handholding. Uh, there's some who just get it automatically. So I think to your question, is it happening fast enough? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, the pandemic is definitely causing uh, people to uh, run faster on the treadmills and get ahead. Mm. Uh, and I think uh, you know this will help catalyze a faster adoption of header bidding. So what are your thoughts on this? Has header bidding really taken off in Asia and been well understood by marketers? I'll start with the publisher side. Uh, yeah, for the uh, publisher side, we see quite a good, uh, you know, uh, adaptation rate in Asia, and uh, it's becoming quite a popular setup. And uh, going back to like you know three different options that I mentioned earlier on, the hybrid solution is seems to be the the most popular option um, across the board because it is easier for the publisher to adopt and. Um, you know, uh, from the setup wise and um, um, to get it live uh, um, quite easily and in the short time frame. So that is the most popular one. Um, for the advertiser side, um, I would say the regional teams are much more aware about this um, technology. However, for the local team, uh, the knowledge uh, might not be there yet. Partially, you know, depends on how, how they set up. Um, it could be partially how they are buying the meat today if they are much closer to the programmatic uh, execution and much closer to using DSP and all that they may heard about that however if they are you know um, heavily running like a, a traditional or direct buying then the knowledge gap will be there thanks for the overview so to be honest header bidding isn't something new so why are we talking about this today and what are some of the advancements in this space? Uh, so you want to share your thoughts with us? You know, it is nothing new, but it is constantly evolving and getting more and more sophisticated. So probably that's why we stay talking about it. And uh, like today, you know, we're largely talking about client-side header bidding, but server-side header bidding is also becoming a thing and getting more, um, you know, traction in the market. And it will eventually unlock the mobile and CTV and OTT inventories. And uh, from that front, um, you know, we also are constantly enhancing our OpenRap solution. In June this year, we launched uh, OpenRap OTT, which is a server-side head-up-bidding solution for OTT and CTV in particular, and SDK solution to address the uh, mobile uh, opportunity. So in a sense, it is truly becoming like an omni-channel. And uh, in terms of advancement, I would say identity solution for header bidding. So that is uh, becoming one of the hot topic as well because following Google's announcement, you know, to phase out their third party cookies. So therefore it is quite important to find alternate um, identity solution to address it, which um, Ashid mentioned uh, a little bit earlier on as well. So in preparation for that, we also launched a solution called Identity Hub. Um, and that's come as like a standard with all our um, header bidding or pre-bid integration. So this essentially allows publisher to trial new identity solution ahead of the deprecation of that party cookies. 
and um, you know publisher can easily support multiple IDs. Um, and the best part is that they can test and learn to try multiple ID solution at no additional cost, just to see you know how it um, how is impacting their revenue in their short run. Ashish, any thoughts on this? And um, just pondering out loud, is this even a topic worth talking about? Yeah, I think it is because you know header bidding is. I mean, if you're just looking at header bidding or you know just the whole gamut of programmatic. It's all about data and real-time information. And uh, we clearly see this as a, a media unit, as a digital unit, and which is why we invested in it. Now, is it the right time? I mean, if we haven't done it already, then we are late already. So I think, uh, you know, the pandemic is just accelerating this flight to digitization. And uh, all the more reason why in uh, such times, uh, you know, one should be investing in the new technologies. So Ashish, talking about innovation, what are some of the biggest changes or most exciting innovations that you've adopted um, in the header bidding space and beyond during this pandemic? Yeah, so I think we are one of the few partners who work with multiple header bidding partners, not just one. And the reason for that is that, you know, we we invested early in our own data capabilities. So I, I think I was sharing it earlier. We are actually now 60 to 70% prepared for a cookie-less world because we have invested last year. We started investing last year in our own DMP and which is collecting more and more first-party data. Some of the identity management solutions that So was talking about, we we actually already run those and we have 70% of our network covered with a unique identity. So, you know, it's things like that which coupled with, you know, using header bidding as a technology and partnering with uh, someone like a Pubmatic, which then causes us to offer innovative, better priced, better yield solutions to the market. So to your question on, you know, what other innovations are we working on? So there are lots of them, uh, but most of them, if not all of them, are driven by this tearing need of owning our own data and having more data. And, uh, you know, all our solutions to our advertisers, our solutions to our users are geared towards, you know, using data to deliver better solutions. Mm -hmm. And that's really working well for us, uh, both in terms of our user base growing as well as our revenue growing. In a time when most like-minded digital organizations could be actually doing worse than last year. Uh, So that's, that's, I think, uh, uh, what it is. And there are lots of... uh, digital innovations that we've invested on, primarily in our DMP, in our own programmatic practice, if I could call it that. Uh, There are lots of other things also. You know, we're the first uh, media company in Southeast Asia to do a live simulcast for product launches in a pandemic uh, across six or seven platforms, including outdoor media. So, you know, we we built that capability using a partner to be able to do simulcast. Uh, we are bringing programmatic capabilities in the outdoor space. And that's what I would love to work with uh, Pubmatic on in terms of how do we look at header bidding and programmatic in the outdoor space. So we, we have uh, launched the first programmatic campaign, possibly one of the first programmatic campaigns in the outdoor space in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia. Wow. Yeah, so, and, and it's not new, you know, it's there. Capabilities exist. I know there are other peers in markets like Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand who have also done it. So we're not, we're not necessarily the only ones, but 
you know, we are we are investing a lot in uh, these capabilities and innovations to to stay ahead. Very interesting that you've launched a programmatic out of home during this period of lockdown. Do you think it's going to pay off? Here's the good thing, right? So you know, we Summit has a a large uh, digital media business, which is all our websites and our users. And we have a largish out-of-home business. And out-of-home has been one of the um, laggards in you know, adopting technology and so on, especially in Asia. And because we had the capability around data and presenting data in real time around outdoor sites, while every other outdoor player was getting cancellations, for all the ads that they were publishing on their sites. We are the only ones who held on in that market. Why? Because we were the only ones in the market who had a capability to deliver data around some of our sites. So while everybody else was moving to zero or trending to zero, we were also falling. We also uh, lost uh, revenue because bookings were canceled, but we didn't become zero. We were still at 20 to 30% levels uh, just when the lockdown started. And now, as things turn around, you know, we are getting more and more queries because of our capability in the market. And it's the same thing with the programmatic and header bidding. You know, we're getting tapped on the shoulder by brands, uh, you know, in partnership with Pubmatic on, you know, hey, we want to do something in December before Christmas. And can you tell us how? And so this is all because of those, those investments, those innovations. And, uh, you know, we, we held through. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Which brings me to my next question. What have you learned by navigating through these challenges over the past year? That's a very good question. You know, the one thing I've really learned and got anchored is you're as good as your people and your people are as good as your partners. Every digital company cannot afford to hire all the best talent in the market or you don't have access to it. Stack your team with great people as much as you can and then keep your partners close who are great as much as you can. What best practices have you developed that can help your people and in turn your organization in the long term, Ashish? Yeah, so I think it's uh, to what we were alluding to earlier, you know, you know, investing in capabilities and, uh, you know, having the people behind those capabilities. So in the same time, you're investing in your people because you're building new capabilities and people are learning new capabilities. And uh, at the same time, you're getting the, the, the technical capabilities, which are very crucial to growth. So I would say, you know, it's, you end up tackling two birds with the same stone. When you invest in technology and data, you're by far also investing in your own people because your people are gonna be running those programs. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the learnings through this whole pandemic that we applied was, you know, day one of the pandemic, every debris froze. Day two, we were all back to normal. And, uh, you know, everybody's working remotely. Uh, there were no silos. You know, we have everyone working from home in different locations and uh, cross-functional teams are doing the daily stand-ups. And, uh, you know, it's just a practice that everybody is going about doing what, what is expected from them from the team and uh, everybody knows it's a lockdown and it's tough time so they've all pulled up their socks and they're putting in that much of an extra effort it's a dna which you can only build over time uh, you know it's it it doesn't change overnight and you know we've spent the last you know i would say at least the last 15 to 24 months 
uh, even before I joined, you know, where this this process of this DNA change started in our organization. Okay, brings me to my very last question, which is for the both of you. Um, maybe we can start with Ashish. What does the future hold when uh, it comes to header bidding? Yeah, so I think I think because of the pandemic, there is a great future and a brighter and a faster future. So what we had thought would be accomplished in say 2021 strategically, you know, is being brought forward. Or you know, in 2022, we are trying to bring it forward into 2021. So that that also goes, you know, without saying for header bidding, for programmatic advertising. Uh, for transparency and i think you know brands when they see the the benefits of uh, using and employing these new techniques and technologies you know they will flock to it and uh, you know the pandemic is causing every brand and every brand owner and every marketing manager and every planner to justify the same spend better and the only way of doing it is to use data and transparency and what are your thoughts on this so I'll start with uh, overall programmatic future. Um, my view is quite aligned with Ashi as well. I think it's really promising, uh, given that you know a lot of businesses going uh, online, and uh, which means, um, which, which is a good news for us. Um, and header uh, bidding in particular, I think is also quite promising, uh, with very likely um, you know uh, wider adaptation, and possibly it can become a new standard. Um, and it's really fascinating to see how this is evolved, um, giving you know relatively fair uh, short time frame, and um, I believe it's going to continue to evolve into the um, um, the other sectors such as like mobile video. It is is the beginning. However, it is going to get keep growing and then getting stronger. I think uh, if it hits like a live streaming. I think that we're probably reaching that it's um, you know highest potential um, uh, that it can reach, and um, it is also highly likely that you know if the technology uh, this technology getting more um, getting more advanced and sophisticated, I just hope that you know um, it is not creating barrier for the um, um, publisher to adopt the technology advancement um, because. It is, if it is getting more sophisticated, then education is coming to uh, picture and it's also quite important for you know, techno, uh, technology company like us to continue to play the role in simplifying the, you know, uh, make it easier um, and make it easier, easier for the publisher or the general accessibility uh, for this kind of technology, as well as you know, educating the uh, general mass about this kind of advancement. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me and imparting this knowledge to all our listeners. I enjoyed it very, very much. Thank you so much. Thank you once again, Ashish and So, for giving us so much insight in the world of header bidding. While the technology can seem daunting to understand and complexities remain in the space, its benefits to the publishing and brand side community cannot be overlooked. So with that, we've come to the end of our podcast today. And if you'd like to find out more about header bidding and some of its advancements, head down to pubmatic.com. We hope that you've learned as much from this conversation as we have. Take care.